Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. My name is Nathan. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at City Alliance Church. And we are in a series that is called Sermon on the Mound, where we're kind of looking at the connections, the spiritual connections between baseball and the Bible. And I know for some of us, that's like, that's kind of weird. Like, why would there be connections with sports? How does that work? Well, actually, I'm actually stealing this idea from a guy named Paul. The Apostle Paul, who was one of the early church leaders, would often like watch races and trail runs and marathons and start making some spiritual connections. Uh, In fact, here's a great verse here in 1 Corinthians 9. It says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Any runners in the room right now? If you're a runner, go ahead and type. How many of you ran a 100-mile race last weekend? Go ahead, Mike, put your hand up. That man ran 100 miles last weekend in 28 hours. That's why we pray for you. Gosh, like... So race, so it says here, but only one gets the prize. Did you get the prize, Mike? He finished. That's the prize. All right. So run in such a way as to get the prize. If you want to know how to do that, talk to Mike. He can tell you how to do that as well. And so when you look at your favorite sports, there's often lessons that we can learn that can help us grow in our faith to encourage us in our walk. And so as we're kind of talking about this, we have such a great opportunity because right in our backyard, we have the Little League World Series that's taking place, America's favorite pastime. And so you guys go to the next slide here. We've got some teams that were came, coming in. And last Monday, I just got to brag on you, church. All y'all showed up big for the Grand Slam Parade. How many of y'all were here at the Grand Slam Parade on Monday? Can we hear it up? Give it up. I just want to say thank you to our awesome volunteers who showed up so that God could show off through you. We had all sorts of people kind of coming through, and as you can see from these pictures that we're scrolling through, uh, people were using our building because we wanted to open up our building. We're right on the parade route, so people were using the bathrooms, you know, who had a bunch of little kids with them watching the parade, and they had to use the bathroom, so we were able to make that available, uh, as well as inviting people to come in and take their pictures at our photo booth, and we were able to engage with the community, meet people that we normally wouldn't meet, normally wouldn't connect with, Uh, pass out popcorn to everyone. It was really such an awesome opportunity to be a blessing in the city of Williamsport. I want to tell a real quick story. So towards the end of the parade, if you were here Monday, you know that it was raining. It was like a deluge. There were cats and dogs and all that sorts of things, you know. But, you know, at the end of the parade, a woman came to us and she said, hey, uh, my car won't start. And I've got my 80-year-old mother with me, and then I have a child with special needs. Like, I'm not sure what to do. And we said, hey, listen, why don't you have them come and wait at the church? We have a, we have a ramp, and you can go up that way, and we'll go take a look at your car. And Ellen, who you just met from City Kids, uh, had some jumper cables, and I kind of went over there and was kind of seeing what, what, what to do. And, and another car, car came, and they had a way bigger engine than I had, so they, we kind of hooked up the jumper cables. And we were able to give this woman a jump, and she was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. In fact... I, I love your church. Um, I haven't really been here very often, but that's one of the reasons why I'm here. I go, well, what do you mean by that? Well, last year you guys were on the parade route and you had bathrooms available and you're passing out water. And I thought, what an awesome church. I'm going to set up my chair right by the parade route so I can be by this church. And again, you guys blessed us. I just want to say thank you so much. And so I want to say one more time, City Line Church, thank you so much. Can we hear it for you guys? 
you guys showed up and you blessed the city and it is such an awesome way to again, be involved in a way that's as, as our church is celebrating. So over the past few weeks, we've kind of looked at that connection between baseball and the Bible, and we kind of talked about who do you need on your team? If you are to become who God has called you to be, what are the kinds of people that you need on your team? Lucy, we talked about how you need a coach, and we looked at the Apostle Paul. Paul, who was one of the early church leaders, was essentially the coach for the early church. He helped all these new Christians, many who had never been Christians before. There were no other Christians. He was coaching them on what that looked like. And then last week we talked about the rookie of the year, Timothy, and how we talked about how everyone, we need a Paul in our life, a coach, who can pull us forward to become who God's called us to be. But then we also need to reach back and find a rookie, a Timothy, that we can also pull in. So we need to be invested in, and we need to invest in others. We are poured into so that we can pour out. That's kind of how the rhythm of the Christian life is. And so today, um, we are going to pass out the third limited edition City Lines trading card for this folk person uh, uh, that you need to have. And so maybe you guys know every week we've been passing out these limited edition City Lines trading cards. So greeting team, why don't you go ahead and pass those out now? Because guys, these are going to be really valuable one day. Like these are going to be the beanie babies of the future. Just, just think about that, right? And so we had our Apostle Paul trading card. Last week we had Timothy, our rookie of the year. And today we're going to talk about a guy that maybe some of you are like, I'm not really sure who this guy is, but he's a guy named Barnabas. Go ahead and say Barnabas, church. Barnabas. Barnabas is a guy that we see in the New Testament. We don't really know too much about him, but there's a decent amount that we're going to be talking about. The first thing, and this actually shocked me when I was studying, is that Barnabas is not even his real name. His real name is Joey. Here, we'll see him in Acts 4. It says this, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So there's this guy, his name's Joey, he lives in Cyprus, and, and things are going great, and, and he comes to know Christ. He, he begins a relationship with Jesus, and it changes him. And he has this temperament where he just wants to encourage all the people around him. He sees the early church struggling financially. So you know what he does? He sells his beach bungalow in Cyprus, and he gives the money to the early church so that they can kind of grow, that they can, be, they can develop. And so really, he became what I would call a cheerleader in the early church. He was cheerleading for other folks. And so, you know, when you talk about sports, you know, most sports have cheerleaders, like baseball, or, but baseball doesn't really have that many cheerleaders. But you do have certain players that kind of stand out as these guys are known as cheerleaders, as big encouragers on their team, and even outside of their team. And one example that I'm going to represent today has got to be Big Poppy himself, David Ortiz. Where my Red Sox fan at? Okay, there's, there's one of us. Y'all got to make some noise. Come on now. All right. All right. Are there Philly fans in the room? Yeah, they say yes. Yes, we are. We are in the room. If I said Yankees fans, it's going to get rowdy in here. I see an Astros jersey, so we got the Astros represent. Gosh, there's going to be a fight after church. <laughs> well, let me tell you a little bit about David Ortiz. David Ortiz, uh, obviously, you know, he played for the Red Sox. He was the first baseman designated hitter, but one of his reputations is that he was an encourager. So if there would be, you know, folks on his team, he'd be encouraging them, helping them to kind of grow, build them up. But not only that, if there were new players that were coming in, new players that were kind of new, kind of rookies, didn't know what they were doing, he would encourage them as well and kind of help them kind of get to know all the other players and develop and things like that. In fact, he even had 
a reputation of encouraging folks on other teams. Like, there's this picture of him and Derek Jeter. In fact, I found this really awesome video, maybe some of you have seen this, about David Ortiz encouraging Derek Jeter even now, even though they no longer play for, for um, baseball. But check this out. You know what? I got a gift for you. Oh, okay. You went shopping? From all of us, you know. Open it up, Cap. Come on. Oh, so nice. Oh, so touching. Nice. nice. Great teammate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Turn it around, man. Turn it around. Oh. Come on, man. Uh, Derek Jeter, Red Sox. It's, it's been a great time <laughs> spending with you guys here. Uh, you won't see me anymore. Well, it's my last day at Well, it's been, it's been a good 24 hours. <laughs> You're unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> I found that encouraging, okay. <laughs> Maybe Derek Jeter didn't find it very encouraging in that moment. But, you know, what do we mean by encouragement? What does encouragement mean? You know, when we talk about cheerleading or encouraging other people, what's the definition? And what's kind of interesting is, you can go to this next slide here, is we actually can see what encouragement means in the actual word. If you cover this up, we see the word courage in here. So what encouragement literally means is you're putting courage inside of somebody. You, you, you are putting courage inside of someone that is fearful or in pain. I, I mean, you don't need to put your hand up, but how many of us know someone who's going through some painful situations right now? Maybe it's relationally, maybe it's physically, maybe it's emotionally, but maybe the reason why God has placed you in that person's life is that you can fill them up with courage, that you can help them understand their purpose and their being and the reason why God has put them there. Because Coach Paul writes these words. He says this, Therefore, encourage one another and give each other criticism. Does your Bible say that? Okay, does it? Okay. Oh, here's what it says. Encourage one another and give them advice that they didn't ask for. That, that's not in your... T okay, maybe I've got a different translation here. But what does it say? It says, therefore, encourage one another, and let's all say this together in one loud voice, build each other up. Build each other up. If you're watching online, go ahead and type in build each other up right now on Facebook. But that literally is what encouragement means. It's to build into one another. It's to build people up. Because here's the truth, is we live in a culture of criticism. Okay? We know that you know, the, as the school year begins, as we kind of get back involved, our kids are going into a culture of criticism. Uh, our workplaces are cultures of criticism where we're going to get analyzed. Things are going to get broken down. Here's what we're doing wrong. Here's what we need to get better at. And it can be really, really discouraging and really difficult. But I believe that God has called the church to be a culture of encouragement. That when we gather together, we are able to speak truth into one another as iron sharpens iron so we can sharpen one another because there's power in the words that we say. Look what it says here in Proverbs 18.21. It says this. You go to the next slide. The tongue has the power of what? Of life and death. See, I would say it's not just the tongue. It's also your texts. It's also your posts on Facebook which you put on Instagram. That's the stuff that actually is the power of life and death. We have that power, church. So we have a choice every single day in every encounter. Will we become hope dealers and not death dealers? Will we deal and share hope with the world around us in every encounter when we have conversations with people? Or will we leave words of criticism and pain and hurt? So I want to ask you a question. And maybe you have the answer. If you have this answer, go ahead and write this down. Here's the question. Who is God calling you to cheer for today? Who is God calling you to cheer for? Write it down. Put it in your phone. Because here's the thing. Is we, I want you to remember this person 
in this message. I, I want you, maybe God is calling you to be their son or daughter of encouragement. Maybe there is someone who is weak, but your words can give them strength. Maybe there's someone who is failing and you can help them succeed. Maybe there's someone who is alone and you can walk with them and give them words of encouragement. Because I believe that there is someone on your team that God is calling you to encourage this week. That God is calling you to build up, to speak words of life, not death. Maybe it's the mom that you know who's struggling with cancer. And she's got a diagnosis and she's going for the treatments, but she's not sure how it's going to end. There's so much uncertainty. And God has placed you in her life to say, hey, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. And I want to remind you that even if it doesn't feel that way, God is with you. He has not left you in this. Or or maybe it's the friend who just started up a business and he's feeling really, really anxious because this thing has to work. It's not a side hustle. This thing has to get off the ground so he can feed his family, so he can make sure that you know, he can take care of his kids and, and retirement and college and all those things, and he feels the anxiety, and he's not getting enough leads, and he doesn't want you to fix it, but you can come alongside him and say, hey, listen, I'm praying for you. I know that God has got you in this, that God is sovereign in this, and he's in control, and he is with you in this. So don't worry. Don't shrink back. Keep moving forward. God's called you to encourage these people in your life. And so today, I want to look at three people that Barnabas was really good at encouraging and say, these are the three types of people that we are called to encourage that we will encounter. I I bet you you might even encounter them today. And the first is this, the first group, is to encourage the fearful. To encourage the fearful. See, Barnabas was able to come alongside those who were afraid and build them up. And really, Barnabas is the reason why we have a guy like Paul, the Apostle Paul. Maybe some of you know this, that when Paul first got started, we first find Paul, he's not a great guy. He's going around and killing Christians. Okay? He is, if he's not killing him, he's hunting them down. If he's not hunting them, he's making plans on how he's going to go after them. And so literally, that is, is, is how we find Paul. Then Paul has this radical encounter with Jesus. And it changes him. And he goes off to Damascus, which is in uh, modern-day Syria today. And he goes there, and he, he gets discipled, he gets developed, and he starts preaching. But when he goes to Jerusalem, that's kind of like the headquarters of the Jesus movement in the first century. All those other disciples are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Paul, Paul's here? You're telling me Paul's a Christian? <laughs> the, the guy that killed my best friend? That I used to go to church with? That Paul? I, I, I don't know about that. Look what it says in Acts chapter 9. It says this, When he came, he being Paul, to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. They're like, I don't know, smells like an ark to me. It's a trap. So, so, so literally, like, there's all these tensions about Paul and what he's going to do, and so this is where we see Barnabas step in and take a huge risk. Look what it says here in the next verse. It says, it says that Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. So Barnabas had the clout. Barnabas had the reputation. So he could say, listen, I know what you heard about Paul and I know what it was like, but God's got his heart now. And because God has got his heart, his life is changing. He's not perfect, but he wants to see the gospel go forth. Barnabas took a huge risk. Barnabas took a huge risk, because what if Paul was lying? What if Paul was only halfway in and halfway out, and then he changes his mind, and all of a sudden, you put the early church in this terrible, terrible spot? 
But Barnabas took a risk on people. In fact, maybe today, God's calling you to take a risk on somebody that no one else wants you to take a risk on. But one of the things that Barnabas did was he came around that early church that was afraid, said, listen, guys, I know you're afraid, and I know this is a risk, but listen, if Jesus changed my life and I sold my house in Cyprus, he can change Paul's life too. And he encouraged the fearful. He spoke up for Paul. And, and that's kind of the situation that we're in now. That's why so much of the New Testament was written by Paul, because Barnabas stuck, stood up for him. So I want to ask you, who in your life right now is struggling with fear? Or maybe one of the cousins of fear, like anxiety or worry? Is there someone that God is calling you to come alongside of to, to encourage because they're fearful right, fearful right? Maybe they're afraid of being alone. They're not in a relationship right now, and maybe they wonder, am I ever going to be in a relationship? And you're called to come alongside the fearful. Maybe it's someone who is struggling with uh, making a big decision. They're trying to decide about what college they want to go to or, or what major they need to make, and, and there's a deadline to it, and they're afraid, what if I make the wrong decision? And you can come alongside of them and say, listen, God is sovereign. He's got you. Whatever you decide, he is with you in this. He's going to lead you and guide you as long as you're seeking his face in this. Or maybe there's someone in your life that is starting to take their steps to grow closer to Jesus, and you can tell it's going to, there's going to be some tension in their family from it. There's going to be tension in their friendships from it. But yet, God's calling you to encourage them, say, listen, I know it's going to be hard, but this is the best decision you could ever make to continue to grow in your faith and to continue to walk with Jesus. So encourage the fearful. There's fearful people in your midst. You can encourage them. In fact, God's probably put you in their life to encourage them. Number two is to encourage the faithful. Encourage the faithful. And, and that's what we see Barnabas doing. In fact, oftentimes when there is a, a new move in the Jesus movement, they send Barnabas in first. So, you know, when, when the Jesus movement first started, it was always it was these Jewish followers of Jesus, like because Jesus was, went to the Jews, and so these Jewish followers of Jesus were there. And so they assumed, as Jews, that this would just be a Jewish thing. But what happened was that non-Jews, also known as Gentiles, they started to follow Jesus. They started to receive the Holy Spirit. They started to actually preach the gospel. And a lot of the Jews were a little skeptical of this because they struggled with what was called Jewish supremacy. They just believed like they were better than everybody. It's like, why would God work with those non-Jews? Because we're the best. Why would God want, want, want the movement to go further than us? And so what they did was they sent Barnabas, because they knew, hey, Barnabas is going to go, he's going to check it out. If it's like, you know, shifty or if it's weird, he's going to stamp it out. But if it's of God, and we need to change our expectations, well then Barnabas will help us understand. So Barnabas went to this group of believers, and here's what it says in Acts 11. It says, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So Barnabas is going to a place, and he's seeing God do something that they have never seen before. God is extending his spirit to, to folks who didn't grow up in, in a Jewish household, who didn't know all the rules, who didn't know Torah and all these things, but yet God was moving in their lives and changing their hearts. And what did he do? He encouraged them. He's like, guys, keep going. Stay close to Jesus. No matter what, continue to stay close to him. And as you stay close to Jesus and cultivate that intimacy with him, you know what's going to happen? He's going to show you what to do next. See, I think what Barnabas did was he actually picked up the words of Jesus that we see in John 15, where he says this, he says, Jesus says this, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
See, Barnabas is seeing this, this move of God that's happening, and he, he wants to encourage these young believers by saying, hey, listen, I know that things are going to be crazy. You're going to experience persecution. You're going to experience people reject you because of what you believe. You're going to receive a lot of pushback. You might even lose your jobs, but remain with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. He's got your back. He will take care of you. He will take care of your family, but remain in him, and all the other things will be taken care of. You see, maybe the people that God wants you to encourage are other believers. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we encourage our entire church to get involved in city groups. Because when you're in a city group, you can encourage one another. And in fact, that's, that's one of the re- you know, we're going to kick off city groups this fall and, and, and encourage you to get involved. We'd love to see our whole church get involved. But there's something powerful when we get together in smaller groups to study God's word together, to pray for one another, and then to serve together. In fact, I was talking to one of our city group leaders, and he told me this awesome story about how uh, his city group found out that there was a single mom in the community, kind of had just started coming to church, and so they said, they found out that she was moving, and they're like, hey, we can help you move, because how many of us have moved in, in, the, in the, any time in your lifetime, okay? How many of you know that's the most stressful, like, experience in the world, right? Yeah, moving is not fun, and so what this city group said is, like, hey, can we help you move? Can we help pack your boxes? Can we help load your truck? Can we help unload your truck and unload your stuff? And, and hey, we'll even order pizza. We'll make sure that, you know, everyone's fed in this. And the single mom was like, why would you do that? And here's what they said. Because Jesus gave us his life. He gave us everything. And so we want to serve the world. We want to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. I'm glad that we could do that for you. See, there's something that's powerful when we gather together as followers of Jesus and we serve one another. That's, in fact, sometimes that's the most powerful evidence of God at work in the world when Christians actually do good and bless the world around them. So encourage the fearful, encourage the faithful, and the third one is to encourage the failures. Maybe you know people in their life who have gone to bat and they've struck out and they've had three strikes and they're done. Maybe they failed in relationships. Maybe they failed in marriages. Maybe it's in business. Uh, Whatever it is, they failed, and they're feeling shame, and they feel guilt, and they feel like that maybe God doesn't love them because of their failure. Maybe they struggled with sexual purity or whatever it might be, and they're like, man, like, I just feel guilt, and I feel shame. I feel like I'm done. God's done with me. There's a really interesting story in the New Testament where Paul, Coach Paul, who is, he, you know, he's getting his team ready because they're about to go on an away game. They're about to go out on a missionary journey to go and, and, and share the gospel. And so Paul is, you know, they're, they're drafting the players for this trip. And so, you know, Paul and Barnabas, because they're kind of like partners in this, they start talking about who they want on their team. And, and so this is what Barnabas suggests. So here it says this in, in Acts 15. It says that Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia, and had not continued with them in the work. So John Mark is this young believer, and you know he's this young leader, and he really wants to help. Maybe you know somebody who's like really excited, they want to get involved, but they haven't actually done the work. Maybe it's a, a, a young employee or a young coworker, and so they're excited, they get involved, and so he's on this trip with Paul and Barnabas, and then he gets overwhelmed, and, he's, and he just leaves. He just abandons them there. And so Paul is the kind of guy, and you kind of get this sense if you read his letters, that if you let him down, he's done with you. He's like, you're dead to me. Done. Moving on. 
But Barnabas is like, you know what? Let, let, let's work with him. Like, like let's, let's maybe like, teach him how to stand and teach him how to hold the bat so that you know, he, he knows how to do the work of ministry better. And so, so Barnabas is like, let's take him. And they, they, they didn't have an agree. They really struggled with that. They didn't agree. You know, I know some of us would think, man, I can't wait. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to meet Paul. It's going to be great. But some of y'all, if you read Paul's letters, you're like, I don't know if I want to meet Paul, right? You know, he's not a son of encouragement. He's like a son of something else, but, but, sorry. But, but here's the thing. I know, you got Barnabas, the cheerleader. You got Paul, who's the curmudgeon. They're kind of like at odds each other. But here's the thing, and, and here's what it says here. And this, I think, is really interesting in Acts 15. It says, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. So sharp disagreement, we don't know what that means. Did they have a fight? Did they yell at each other? Were they throwing stuff? I don't know. But it was sharp enough where we never see Paul and Barnabas working together again in the New Testament. They may have. We haven't seen it. But here's what I think is interesting. Barnabas takes John Mark and he works with him. He, he works with him and he works on his swing to the point where he's getting better and better. In fact, here's what's kind of interesting is we see John Mark show up again. You know where we, where we see him again? Paul asks for him. Paul's like, hey, can you send John Mark, my son in the faith? So even Paul, as he was growing in his relationship with Jesus, grew softer and more gracious. And John Mark learned and was trained and had the ability to be a leader. In fact, John Mark, they think, was the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark that we find in the Bible today. Here's the thing, church, all of us are going to fail. If you're, if you're watching online, maybe you're, the reason why you're not in church is because you've experienced a failure in your life, and you feel that shame, and you feel that guilt. But if, if there's anything, if there's one thing I want you to take away from this message, I want to encourage you with this word right here. You can go ahead and take this, and it's this. It's that failure is not the final verdict, okay? If you're watching online right now, go ahead and type that in. Failure is not the final verdict. In fact, why don't we all say this out loud in one loud voice so that we can let this kind of go from our heads to our hearts. Ready? Failure is not the final verdict, okay? Maybe you're in a situation right now where you're struggling with failure. Maybe you started a business at one point, and it fell apart, and it was embarrassing, and it was painful, and it was costly. I just want you to know that failure is not the final verdict, Maybe right now you're suffering in silence. Maybe your marriage is struggling and you're yelling at your kids and it's leaking out on everybody and you don't want anyone to know and it's been such a problem and it's been so difficult, but you need to hear right now that failure is not the final verdict. God is not done with you yet. Maybe you have kids who are older and they've rejected faith in Jesus and they've walked away and you're like, man, there's nothing I can say that's going to change their hearts. There's nothing I can do that can change their minds. I want you to know that failure is not the final verdict. God is still at work in their lives. See, failure is not the final verdict. If those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there's always a second chance. There's always a third chance. There's always grace over and over and over again, because failure, again, is not the final verdict. So I want to go back to that question I asked. Who is God calling you to cheer for? Who is the man or the woman or the child that's in your life right now that God's called you to speak life into, to cheer for, to pray for, to encourage? I want to invite the worship team to come back up but here's how I want to end our message. I want you to go ahead and take your phone out. I know you won't hear this often, but you know, you can take your phone out in church. 
Some of you have it out pretty fast. I'm wondering, what, what have you been looking at? <laughs> and it, whoever that person is that God's put on your heart that you've written down, I want you to go ahead and type their name. Maybe it's in, it's in your texting app. Maybe it's in Instant Messenger. Maybe it's a DM. Whatever it is, I want you to go ahead and give them a word of encouragement right now. And if you're like, what do I say? Uh, you can say something like this. Hey, I'm in church right now, and God brought you to mind, and I just want to let you know that I'm praying for you. Hey, I just want to let you know that I know you're struggling with your health, but I'm praying for you, and I'm going sh- to have people here pray for you. I-, I know that you're struggling in relationships, but we're praying for you. Go ahead and text in that word right now in the moment. But maybe you're here right now, and you're like, Nathan, I'm kind of the one that needs encouragement right now. I'm empty. I need encouragement right now. See, we have a Barnabas team in our church. We call them our prayer team. If you're part of the prayer team, love to invite you to come up. We're going to have one person in the prayer team up front, one person in the back, if you guys want to get to your spots right now. But maybe you're here and you need prayer. You're struggling right now, and you're not sure how you're going to get through the day or the week, and you need someone to pray into you the truth and the reality that God's got you. You need someone to remind you of the truth of God's word over your experience of the moment. And so I want to encourage you. Go talk to our prayer team. They'd love to pray for you, to encourage you. In fact, let me pray for us as we go into a time of worship. If you're here today and you need encouragement, would you just put your hand up? I just want to see you so I can pray for you. If you need encouragement right now, see those hands. Our prayer team might approach you to pray for you if that's okay. If you're not comfortable with that, that's okay too. But Lord, I want to pray for those who have their hands up right now. I think there's people here, Lord, that have experienced setbacks. Maybe there's people here who have failed in their faith. Maybe they failed in relationships. Maybe they failed in purity. Whatever it is, God, your word says that your grace is sufficient for us, that power is made perfect through weakness. And you've called us to confess our sin and you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You tell us in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, to prosper you, not harm you, to give you hope and a future. Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. Lord, your promises endure now and forever. And so I pray for those of us right now, we're struggling We need your courage to pour into our hearts right now, God. I right now take authority over the lies of the enemy that says we are worthless, that says that we are full of shame and guilt because of our mistakes. And instead, I declare right now in the name of Jesus that we would remember our identity as sons and daughters of the living God and how you use the hard things in our lives to develop us, to train us, to equip us so that we can go and cheer for those who are struggling. So, Father, as we go into this time of worship, God, I pray you, Holy Spirit, would fill us, fill the gaps in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, as we seek your face. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, 
and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.